Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. about how we sort of bridge the gap between uh, the Lord and his glory, his splendor, his might, his majesty, all of these sort of big uh, highfalutin words about God and where we are as a culture where, you know, God is sort of irrelevant and unknown to us. We don't really know who he is or what he's about or... Uh, you know, he doesn't really fit into our day, doesn't really fit into our life. And so we sort of looked at this image of us, you know, taking the knowledge of the glory of God and sort of like standing up there on a mountain with God and um, kind of declaring it out to the world and realizing, you know, it just sort of doesn't really work for us to have that posture of, hey, we've got it all together and we want you guys all to know uh, all about it. So um, that's kind of a, a dynamic that doesn't really work, right? Uh, the proclamation thing, if we think about it just as this sort of one-way communication from us in our high and lofty place uh, to the people, um, it doesn't just doesn't work. Uh, in the psalm, we could see uh, really clearly that um, it's not just declare his glory, but it's declare his glory among the people. So there's uh, something about our, our journey that's not just uh, being distant and separate from the world, but us being in the world and, and around people and surrounded by people. And we saw Jesus model this incredible uh, way of caring for people that he was preaching a, a glorious gospel, a glorious story. But from in and among the people, he came to be with earth, earth, to be on earth, to walk with us, to talk with us. And so we think of this image of, you know, declaring, singing, ascribing, saying, proclaiming. And if we're doing it among the people, then uh, he becomes relevant. He becomes known. And we're able to journey with people uh, to a place where we would know him better and know him more and, uh, and have a deeper relationship with him. But what I wanted to do uh, this week is just unpack... Um, some of those words, uh, and particularly the word tell, uh, the word declare, the word ascribe, and the word proclaim, um, and, and the word say, and just sort of say, what do those really mean? Because when we look at the poem, we look at the psalm, it's actually all different words. And it's not just words that are different just to be different. Like if I'm making up a limerick, I might throw in uh, two words that sort of mean the same thing but I'm just trying to get words that rhyme and trying to make it fit and trying to make it work. There's a lot more intentionality in the scriptures. Um, and we can look at some of these words and see something really beautiful in the words that are chosen. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to take those words for those, that way of speaking, sharing, declaring the gospel, and we're going to bring them into the new Testament and see what they mean in that context. How did Jesus do that? How did Paul talk about that? So we're just going to look about those, look at those together. First one we're going to look at really simply, we'll just jump right into it is this word tell in verse two, tell of his salvation from day to day tell of his salvation from day to day. That's just a common word. We would use it all the time. Go tell your mom, uh, go tell your dad, go tell your friends, uh, whatever, text somebody, uh, just communicate. But there's some meaning there. There's something really rich there. And in, in the case of this word tell in this context, um, it means to bear or carry good news. And there's something sort of beautiful and distinct in that. Um, good news isn't just meant to be broadcast. It's not meant to be just shouted like we talked about coming from the mountain down to the people. It's like meant to be personally hand delivered. The good news is meant for a hand delivery kind of a situation. It's not launched or transmitted. 
Uh, it's meant to be carried by you and I. And so if we look at Mark uh, chapter 16, 15, when Jesus uses uh, the word in the Greek that uh, is actually translated um, into the Septuagint, when the, when the Hebrew Old Testament was translated into the Greek New Testament, uh, then we see New Testament writers, or into the Greek language, we see New Testament writers taking that those words and bringing them into their writings to make connection to the Old Testament and help people to understand. And so this is what Jesus is doing uh, when Mark records his teaching. He says, go into all the world and proclaim, tell the gospel uh, to the whole creation. So go and into all the world and carry with you the gospel into all of creation. Bear it. So we are message bearers. We are sent ones. You're a piece of delivery guy, but you're with the gospel, right? You are a messenger in a street, a bike messenger who is going from one office to another. You've got a message from one place and you need to uh, take something to somebody else in another building and you're taking it, the message, you're putting it in your backpack, you're getting it on your bike, you're going to the place where it needs to be, you're going up the elevator and you're hand delivering it to the people that need to receive it. It's a very human process and it's really important for us to acknowledge uh, our role in that human process as people who share the gospel. Uh, we like to think that there are other things to do it for us. We like to think there are mechanisms, websites, apps that do that for us, but it's really meant to be a human transmitted story. Romans chapter 10 uh, says this, uh, talking about um, uh, the message. It says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have yet never heard, or whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And that's that same word brought uh, from the Old Testament into the Greek and now into the New Testament, into Paul's writings, without someone bearing the gospel, without someone bearing the good news, without someone preaching. And how are they to bear good news or preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So there's something really beautiful about this vocation to be personal carriers of the gospel, personal carriers of the message. In fact, Jesus uh, was speaking in part about this when he uh, washed the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. Um, Jesus is going about washing the disciples' feet. They've been out walking, doing ministry, doing this stuff. Uh, and they come into the house and Jesus you know, puts on a towel and starts washing his disciples' feet. And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, uh, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. We are meant to be people who are out there with Jesus getting our feet dirty. And the beautiful thing about that is that he cleans us. He washes us. He does relationship with us. He cares for us. And he sees beauty in the effort that you put forward to bring his story to your friends and neighbors. And we might be afraid of that. We might be afraid of uh, being contaminated. Or we might be afraid of being in awkward social situations. Or we might be afraid of telling the Jesus story to someone who doesn't want to hear it. And that might feel like that sort of mucks us up. But... That muck on your feet from those encounters is something that Jesus sees as beautiful and he wants to minister to it. He wants to care for you in those moments of you having been out on the mission with him. So we don't like to get our feet dirty, but doing things like that, doing so brings the beautiful fellowship of Jesus' care for us. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. God delights in dirty feet. So that's the first point, I think, just from that word is this is meant to be a human thing. And that's Jesus' posture, right? Uh, coming to earth as a human to share the story, to walk with people, to talk with them. And, uh, and that's what makes our 
declaration of the gospel, our telling of the gospel, uh, palatable, is if we're vulnerable as we do it. And it's really that issue of vulnerability that is so key for us, being in a place where we can be affected, we can get our feet dirty, where we can connect with people. We're not meant to do it from a place of safety. We're meant to do it in relationship as humans. So that's the first thought from how Jesus uh, called us to declare the gospel or to tell the gospel. And there's this word declare in verse three. It says, declare his glory among the nations. And that word declare is actually to count it's often translated just count or to give account. And that's testimony. That's where we get brought into the New Testament, the word testimony. We're meant to give a legal account, an accurate account, a truthful account of what happened with the life of Jesus, of his story. So it's not about us. It's about uh, making a case for Jesus, about telling his story. And I want to bring us to the illustration of being in the witness box. I think that's going to be a helpful image for us. Uh, Say there's a trial going on, and there is a trial going on in the world where people are judging, every person is judging, who is Jesus? Is he someone I will follow, or is he someone I won't? And we are supposed to be there testifying to uh, his goodness in our own lives and testifying to his story, the historical story of what Jesus did in the world. And as we sit there in the witness box, um, it's actually not about us. Um, Our credibility is important or else people won't necessarily hear our testimony or won't believe it. But we're not there to tell really our story. We're not really there to tell um, about us. We're really to shed light on the question of Jesus. And is he going to be important to a person or not important to a person? Uh, is his story real? Is it, uh, is it something that's going to impact their lives? Is it something that they can make a decision or a judgment based on? And so uh, we can take some pressure off of ourselves in that way. Because it isn't, it just isn't about us. It's about talking about him. It's about the whole proceedings uh, being centered around answering that question. Is Jesus real? Is he true? Is he someone that you could connect with? So we take some pressure off of ourselves. And we see in a way that that's what Jesus does. Even talking about uh, his encounter with Pilate. When Jesus testified about himself before Pilate, he says, "Uh, You say that I'm a king. So he's putting those words in their mouths. That's what they have said about him. Um, He knows it's true. In fact, the reason I was born and I came into the world is to testify to the truth. So his whole life, his whole being, his whole story, everything that's happened to him, everything that we know about that's written in the uh, New Testament is a testimony to the truth that he is God's son and that he is ultimately the king of the world. Um, He says, everyone who's on the side of truth, everyone who really wants to know the truth, listens to me. So he's saying, you know, the responsibility here is on truth. The responsibility here is on reality. The responsibility here is on the way the world is. And we're just called to point to what actually happened. So, of course, again, our, our, our credibility is important, our posture is important, but we're really meant to be talking about things that actually happened, about the history, about the story. Uh, it's, again, not about us. It's about truth, and he is truth. So we can take a tremendous amount of pressure off of ourselves because the truth is there. It's out there. Uh, that's one of the beautiful things about the passage in Romans that we looked at, too, um, is that uh, he, 
he made himself evident and we just point towards him. Uh, John 15 uh, looks at this a little bit. It says in John 15, chapter 26, it says this, but when the helper comes, this is another form of testimony. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me because you have been with me from the beginning. So you have somebody else bearing witness as you bear witness, the spirit of God moving in the world, uh, doing healings and miracles and touching hearts and bringing conviction and teaching and making disciples and comforting. The Holy Spirit is doing incredible work out there that testifies uh, to who Jesus is. And then we just bear witness also. We're just like, we're in in a way, we're not only second fiddle to Jesus, we're third fiddle. We're after the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is doing this stuff. And we just bear witness as well uh, because we've been with him from the beginning. It says here, he's speaking to the disciples who actually were present when his story was ongoing. But we have it written down and we have the testimony of his interactions with us in our lives that are really important stories to tell in the world. So we're just in good company. We don't sit in that witness box alone. Um, The Spirit bears witness with us. Uh, to tell the story of Jesus. So the third word there that we uh, see in the text in uh, Psalm 96 is this, ascribe to the Lord, O families, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So that a word ascribe is to take something, an idea, and make sure it's placed in the right place. Make sure that this thing that you're seeing is understood well. It's to clarify. Um, And I think that's a really important thought for us as well. Um, God's glory is already evident in the world. Just like we said, Jesus' story is actually there. Our role isn't to make it up. It isn't to generate. It isn't to create it. It's just to point to what's actually there. That's tremendously encouraging for us. Um, So our job is just to attribute it to him, is to take all of the beauty, all of the glory, uh, what we see when we look at the stars, what we see when we're out on the lake and the sun is rising early in the morning, and to say, hey, that glory, that beauty, uh, didn't come into being on its own. It came to being uh, because God made it, uh, because he is glorious, because he is powerful, because he is strong, because he is beautiful. And Paul points to this in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 20 and 21. He says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And so uh, people, humans all around us can actually see the beauty and glory of God. Um, And we know deep down somewhere inside of us that it's actually from him. But we have a tendency not to attribute that glory and beauty to him. And so our call to our friends and to ourselves constantly is to just say, hey, that beauty I'm seeing, it's not mine. It's not creations on its own. Um, Would you attribute that beauty to him, like look at that incredible stuff that he's made uh, and see the complexity of it and the glory of it. And can you imagine that it's chance? Can you imagine that it's random? Or can you imagine that somebody lovingly uh, designed it uh, for us? And there's just a beautiful humility uh, in that. It's a very challenging passage, this piece in Romans, but there's also so much hope in it because when we're not creating the beauty, it's already there. We're just attributing it to him. And two, um, we don't have the responsibility of, of 
making it obvious to people because we know deep down if they're really honest with themselves that they can actually see it. And we're just calling people to an honest reflection on what they're, we know that they can actually see. So we don't have to make this up. We just have to point to it. And again, this is pointing to what, how Jesus walked this stuff out in his lifetime. And this is just something he did all the time when he was doing parables and teaching uh, wherever he went. One great example, one of many examples is just the story of the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and he's trying to teach about his kingdom. It's something that's going to grow, that's going to grow exponentially. And I sort of imagine him taking, you know, mustard seed in his hand. I don't know if he carried a pocket full, probably not. I don't know where he got it or if he did get it or if he's just using an illustration, who knows. But but just imagine the small little seed and, and him being able to sort of see with his God eyes, look at the explosive power of the DNA in the seed. And it gets planted in the ground and it gets wet. And that thing that's dry becomes alive. And it's going to uh, explosively multiply itself into something that will ultimately be a plant that will produce millions and millions more. And my kingdom is like this. So look at this tiny little natural thing that I created and see uh, some truth about the beauty of me in it. And Jesus just did that time and time and time again. We see the splendor of the heavens and see his words of love written in them. Um, so we have incredible, uh, it, it's actually really humbling to share the gospel in this way because we're, we're not telling our story. We're not talking about our beauty. We're not uh, displaying all of our great attributes. We know that we're broken. We know that we don't necessarily have them. We're just humbly, uh, generously, beautifully pointing towards, uh, the love of God and to what he's created. And so this fourth word that I want to look at is in verse 10. It says, it says, say among the nations. And that word is just to talk, to say, and to have a conversation. Um, and so we've, so many of us have heard the kind of famous uh, uh, statement from uh, St. Francis of Assisi, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And uh, I want to say that it is necessary to use words. Um, and I know that makes us uncomfortable. We feel as people like what, what space do we have to speak. We feel kind of beaten down in our culture, but it is necessary to say the words. And that's really hard for us. We sometimes don't know what to say, or we don't know how a lot of our discipleship, uh, teaching will probably be oriented towards helping us learn to just communicate the glory and the beauty of God. Um, put yourself back in that, uh, witness box. Uh, the illustration that we used earlier. Um, imagine that you're sitting there in the witness box and imagine that you have the best credibility in the world, that you know that you're a trustworthy witness, that you know that you saw the events as they were, that you can give an accurate accounting of what happened. You can point to what actually happened. You can point to what happened uh, to Jesus. You've got all of that information and the court is listening and the judge is listening. Imagine sitting in that box and just refusing to open your mouth. To not say what you actually see and say what you actually know. Uh, that word that you've brought into the courtroom of culture ultimately has to be uttered. It ultimately has to come across your lips or no one can really understand uh, the glory of God. Uh, we're called to testify. We're called to witness. We're called uh, to say the things. Live out the gospel at all times and it is necessary humbly, humbly, but it is necessary to say words. And we see Jesus doing this 
an incredible, beautiful way. And I want to just close with this uh, little text in John chapter four. And we have all these conversations with Jesus. We have Jesus and Nicodemus and many other conversations, but uh, with a story with the Samaritan woman, uh, he comes to a well um, and he's in an area where normally a Jewish man wouldn't go. And there's a woman that a Jewish man wouldn't normally talk to there. And he starts this conversation and the woman even starts the conversation saying, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. How can you even talk to me? How can you even ask me for a drink for Jews do not associate with Samaritans? And Jesus has broken down a cultural barrier. He's gone cross-cultural to share the Jesus story, uh, with someone who needs to hear it. Uh, so, powerful that he did that uh, so powerful that he uh, valued that woman and valued her heart and valued her story and and had this conversation with her and i can't unpack the whole conversation but there's incredible beauty in it probably 10 sermons in that one passage um but it ends with this uh, when she goes back to her friends to tell about this conversation that she's had with jesus she says hey um he he basically told me everything I ever did. So we see just a few lines of the conversation, but we know that it had to be a longer one, right? Uh, where he got into her life. He got into her story. He knew what she was wrestling with. She knew, he knew where her sin was. He knew uh, what her relationships were like. He knew about her insecurities. Um, and he had had a back and forth dialogue with her that was intimate and rich and deep and ultimately led to the place where she was just begging for more, uh, inviting all of her friends to come and talk with him as well. And that's uh, a posture of Jesus that we're meant to follow is to just come and enter into people's lives and with compassion and grace and love, ask questions and tell his story and have conversation to simply say uh, the things that he's calling us to say and to speak uh, into, into people's lives in a relational conversational way. So God wants to heal our insecurity. Um, we, we feel like we're so tied up, like in this vocation to tell Jesus story, we don't know how to do it. Uh, we don't think anybody really wants us to a lot of the time. Uh, we, um, don't think we're capable. We don't think we're able. Uh, we think that Christianity is so marginalized or I'll be so criticized that, that there's nothing to tell. There's nothing like we just feel so stuck and so inadequate as people. And I just am praying that maybe just through this little bit of text and through this little bit of teaching that we can break that down in ourselves. Um, even though deep down you don't believe it's possible, it is possible for you to be a humble teller, declarer, ascriber, and sayer, a conversationalist about Jesus. And it's possible for that all to be beautiful. And I think the enemy of our souls wants you to believe that's not possible, but it is possible. It is our vocation. It is what God has called us to do and to be. And we need to just uh, take great courage and learn and equip ourselves and learn to walk it out. And that's the way the glory of the God will be declared, told, uh, ascribed, and said in the whole world through you, through me, through human agents. That's how it's meant to happen. And you're called to it. And blessed are your feet. Uh, we're just going to do the next song, um, which is called The Blessing. And then Jake's going to come up and we'll we'll pray together. Um, and it's a song really of, uh, it, it's really the church declaring a blessing over our 
friends, declaring a blessing over the world, declaring a blessing uh, over those who are lost. And that's really, as we sing it, that's really what I believe you are as people, OVV, anybody who's listening, uh, who has the love of Jesus in their heart, that you are meant to be that kind of blessing to the world. You're meant to be that kind of light. You're meant to share the incredible beauty and glory of Jesus and your relationship with him uh, boldly, courageously. But it is a blessing. It is beautiful, even though everyone tells you it's clumsy. Everyone tells you it's not. It is beautiful. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.